And we are live for the fastest hour in wrestling in Johnson City, Tennessee, baby. Fall Brawl just happened. And in kayfabe, this is the day after Fall Brawl. As far as where you're listening to this podcast and watching this video, who the hell knows? But man, we are we are set. We're good now. Well, all the storylines have been either finished or we're all kind of on the same page where everything stayed. You know, everything's... Before, we were kind of in the dark on some things. We were kind of... Maybe some people were watching WCW and knew what was going on. Maybe some people weren't and had no fucking clue what was going on, like me. No idea where people were standing with this. But now we all should be on the same page after Fall Brawl and a couple of Nitros before that. We start off with the Talking Heads. Mongo's dog is here again, and we finally hear his name, Pepe. Classic uh, multilingual Mongo. Let me tell you, baby, get Grandma out of the bathroom, because if you ain't here, you're getting a bum steer. Sullivan and the Giant arrive in an ambulance, so the ambulance kind of pulls up. Remember, the last thing we saw at Fall Brawl was Hogan having his neck broken by the Giant, so they arrive in an ambulance and do a little interview with Mean Gene. The Giant talks with like a weird, it's almost like a screaming whisper. It's very weird how he does this. He does not just speak. He is speaking, obviously, in this, like, hushed, yelling kind of thing with Sullivan. Big giant. Hogan, I've been thinking about what it felt like for you to ride in the back of one of those. And they talk about Andre the Giant being disappointed, or Mean Gene says that he would be disappointed in his son, the giant, if he was still alive. So that's still a gimmick. He's sick. If your father knew you were associated with the likes of this man, he would be very disappointed. If my father was still alive today, he would be right beside me in the mission to destroy Hulkamania. I've mentioned it on the last podcast, or maybe the one before that, but I think it's so weird that, that that's their build for the giant, is that he's Andre's son, and they keep referencing Andre, because as far as I know, Andre never was in WCW, and never even never was even doing anything with WCW. So... To be utilizing basically an entire WWF creation in Andre and the storyline of Andre and Hulk, which was at this point probably the biggest moment in WWF history, it just seems weird that while they're trying to bury WWF, they're building the giant Hogan thing off of... It's basically a sequel to the to the WWF stuff, so I think that's a little weird. But now we're starting off the actual arena with some tag team action. The American Males make their debut. It's Buff Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. Uh, I kind of I like these fellas. Harlem Heats. So they're supposed to fight the Blue Bloods with William Regal, and who I believe is called Steve Regal at this point. And the Harlem Heat stop the Blue Bloods from coming down to the ring, and they just whoop their ass. You don't, you don't even see Regal. It's just the other Blue Blood. And Harlem Heat just beat the hell out of them on the ramp. And they come on down to the ring, and give the American Males an impromptu title match. Really bad deal for uh, the Blue Bloods, but man, not a great deal for Harlem Heat either, and a pretty decent deal for the American Males. Like, yeah, they were exposed to fight the Blue Bloods, but now they just get an impromptu title match, so works for them. Uh, interesting move from Harlem Heat to say, hey, we're the best tag team in WCW, we're the most dominant, so do you want a tag title match? And, uh, yeah, they do it. The commentary team is just as confused as everybody else is for this. The colonel makes his way down to the ring. The 
Colonel Bob Parker, remember, is smitten with Harlem Heat's manager, Sherry. And Sherry just melts in his arms. This kind of distracts Harlem Heat. It distracts everybody. It's no, no doubt about that. Sherry and uh, the Colonel could distract anyone. And Buff, he reverses the pump handle slam and puts a pin, a little roll-up, on Booker T and gets the pinfall. So we have new champions. How about this? New champions are crowned for the second time in 24 hours. I was not expecting this at all, and I, I like gasped whenever it happened because I was so mind blown. I mean, think about how crazy that is. That so last night at Fall Brawl we have Harlem Heat go over as the new tag champs. So everyone's kind of thinking, okay, all right, so this is the new tag champs. Let's give them a little run here. Let, let's do the damn thing, and then to immediately drop it to American Males, even though it was with some tomfoolery, it's still crazy that they say. You know, like they, they, they make that like I would love to be in the creative room for when, they, when they say, okay, look, let's drop the titles and give them to Harlem Heat. They're the young up-and-comers. Okay, cool. How long do you want to book their championship run? Uh, exactly 18 hours. Wait, what? Why, why put the titles on them? Trust me, dude. It's going to be sweet. Okay, man, whatever. So, that's, so the tag team division is in turmoil. We've had three champions in 24 hours. Harlem Heat is simultaneously probably now feuding with American Males, and we still have the Sherry Colonel Bob Parker thing, so absolutely all over the place. Flair comes on down to the ring for an interview with Mean Gene. I've said this before, but Mean Gene is such an integral part of WCW. This dude is literally doing four or five interviews from four or five different spots in 45 minutes. It's crazy how much how much he's moving. Flair is pissed, obviously, from the Pillman-Anderson thing last night. And he talks about how Arn broke the code by bringing in an outsider, and Flair is fighting Pillman tonight. So this is pretty sweet that we get this immediate payoff. I mean, usually it's like next week on Nitro or next week or next pay-per-view, but we're getting the Pillman-Flair thing tonight, so I'm pretty pumped up about that. Mr. Wonderful comes out to some out outrageous new music. Uh, the Nature Boy, Rick Flair, I'll tell you what, I wish somebody would put a Paul Orndorff coming out, and I wish somebody would censor this music. He but told me what? this is the greatest song you'll ever hear. Just listen. Oh my what is going on here? This is the new <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> new ring attire, new oh, attitude, no. new music, a new Mr. Wonderful. He's a little puffed up with himself, isn't he? Well, we, we saw him this past weekend with his clairvoyant, his soothsayer, his psychic companions network buddy, convincing him that he is indeed Mr. Wonderful. Listen, listen to the voice. No, thank you. He wouldn't be singing that himself, would he? Are you kidding? I don't think that's a huge... Good God almighty, this is insane. He's got a mirror and uh, it's kind of doing like a Rick Martell thing. The announcers are just tearing the music apart. Absolutely deservedly. Who's he fighting, you ask? The 45-minute man, Johnny B-Bad Baby. He is out and he has nine stitches from last night's match. He, was, he got busted open around the eye at some point in the match. And uh, yeah, he has nine stitches now. Look, look guys, let's, can we just keep this under... Like a half hour, please, Johnny B. Bad. I don't want. I, I can't live like this. It's kind of weird that B. Bad even has this match since he's like now the number one contender for the U.S. title, and he's fighting Paul Orndorff. 
But Orndorff picks up the win with a sneaky little reversal. The announcers were a second behind on the count, so the finish was a bit weird. Backwards, but he hooks the legs. He hooks the heels. One, two, three. He got him. He got him. Unbelievable. The new Mr. Wonderful. Yes. Referee in a tough position there. This happens a lot where I think the referees slide in and they count. They make their first count while they're sliding in. So I think the announcers, by the time the announcers are saying, oh, we have a count here, they've missed the one. They do this all the time where the ref counts to three, but the announcer, usually Bischoff, is on two. So you'll hear Bischoff be like, one, two, and that's the win. And you're in, when you're watching it, it's, it's a second off, and it just really makes almost every finish weird. And they do this a lot. It's not every single match, but I would say, I would say at least one out of every three, it might not be fair, one out of every four matches, one out of every five matches, they do this, where they just kind of like screw up the finish, and I think it's I think it's a ref thing, to be honest. Mongo has become absolutely unbearable. He, he's lost the plot. I mean, Mongo, like we, we talk about Mongo a lot on here, but I think he just, I, he's caught in the middle of not knowing what to do, and I think he's cool as long as he's like in that wheelhouse of making fun of Heenan. But once it once he's out of his jokes, I mean Mongo's now been on TV at this point for about a month, about a month solid. So he's he's running out of material pretty quickly. And Mongo with no material and having to kind of improv is proving to be a disaster and proving to be something that he just can't do. And I mean he like it sounds bad, but he's detrimental at this point to to the show. So we get this is absolutely classic video right here. So the WCW stars were on a set of Baywatch. Now how 90s is that? But they were on a set of Baywatch just hanging out, chilling, just kind of enjoying their VIP backstage tour. And we take a look at what they did. Macho is on the beach and there's a bench. There's like a full-on weight set on the like a flat bench on the beach. And uh, Macho is benching. He's benching like 275. I mean, there is some weight on this bench. And I'm watching Macho, and I'm thinking, okay, Macho's just being Macho. He's just doing some weird stuff. Like He's just, he's just benching to uh, impress the Baywatch babes. Like, I get it, Macho. I get it. And next, and next thing you know, Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan, comes out of nowhere and clocks one of the lifeguards. Macho's like are surrounded by the lifeguards and some of the Baywatch babes. Sullivan hits this lifeguard with a with a forearm. I don't know how it didn't break his damn neck. Then Sullivan takes the bar and does like a full on American History X and like chokes out Macho Man with the bar. So he's pushing this bar down on Macho's throat. I don't know if the plates weren't real. You gotta remember, this is nineteen ninety five. I got a feeling these things were real because whenever Sullivan starts doing his thing, the plates are kind of like hitting the metal and they're clanging. I mean, they're, they sound exactly like real metal plates. They aren't, it, it looks, it looks so real. I've watched it like 20 times. One, because it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And two, because I'm trying to figure out these plates. I'm trying to figure out if it's real, if that really is 275 ish. And Sullivan is pushing it down that hard on Macho's throat, and Macho's are squirming around like that. 
Macho is the strongest guy on the planet because even if they are acting, even if they're like, hey, look, I'm not actually going to try and kill you with this 275 pounds. Just what Macho's doing, like struggling with that much weight, you've got to think would hurt like hell on your shoulders and elbows and wrists and all that stuff. I mean, one wrong move and you have 300 pounds on your throat. So I still don't really know what, I still don't know what to think, but it's such an amazing shot. And Sullivan, so Sullivan just keeps beating that ass. I mean, he's throwing sand in his face. He's, he's, he's messing Macho up. And who comes out to break it up? Ric Flair. What the hell is Rick doing here? Rick, the, the best part too, is that Rick is in a white tank top, sunglasses, but he has full ring gear on. So he's got his tank top, his sunglasses, cool, he's on the beach, but then he also has his boots on and his tights. Crazy, man. So now, so that leads us to the ring for guess what? That's right, another interview with Mean Gene. So Macho comes on out to do the interview, and <laughs> Macho is something else, man. First of all, he's in a white suit with red lips all over it. Now, it's hard to... It's hard to really explain just just how ridiculous that is. But I'll repeat myself. He's wearing a white suit with red kissy lips all over it. He's talking in circles pretty much, and he is not happy at all with two people, Lex Luger or Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan for the obvious beach attack, and Luger for having an agenda last night, which, uh, you know, this this... This kind of actually happened off camera, but if you rewatch Fall Brawl or War Games, then you'll see Luger and Macho kind of have this weird moment where they kind of accidentally hit each other, but it's not really expanded upon. It just kind of happens. Macho right now is the king of two things. The first thing he's really good at doing is having an interview with his back to the hard camera. Absolutely fantastic. He Most of his interviews, I'm staring at Macho's back. And then the second thing he likes to do is he likes to ask a question, but then kind of decide against it and totally drop the whole thing. I want to ask you something. No, bottom line. He'll, he'll start to go down a rabbit hole and ask a question and get just get nuts. But then about halfway through, he decides, you know what? I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And he goes backwards, and we never really hear about what Macho was talking about. Luger comes out to answer the allegations. And he comes out and he talks to Macho Man. This gets, this gets just, now that Luger's in there, this gets just even more insane. They, they're making no sense at all. It's hard to follow anything. I'm straight up with it. Do you also want to be the WCW World Heavyweight Champion? Doesn't that also qualify you for having a personal agenda? I got the guts to tell you right now and look you in the eye. That you got a very good point right there. But things get pretty heated, and they cut to break. So a video package is shown now recapping the Giant and Hogan, mostly about how the Giant broke Hogan's neck and their beef and the monster truck and all that stuff. So, And Hogan is not here, so Hogan will not be here tonight. And this is the first, I think, Nitro or the first WCW product I've watched where Hogan is not there, where Hogan's absent. So it is a big risk, I think, for WCW at this point. I would guess they probably were kind of nervous about this, and they probably definitely didn't you know, tease it. But to have a full show with no Hogan at all, 
is like that first time you take your train wheels off your bicycle and you go ride down the street and just try, try not to hit a telephone pole. Next up, main event time, baby. Flair and Pillman. Now these two come on out. This, this is a wrestling match right here. Pillman is nuts. I've seen Pillman wrestle three very different matches. First with Justin Leaguer, next with Johnny B-Bad, and now with Flair. They are, I mean, they are fighting. They, the, the stiffness of these moves, I don't know if they were told, hey, just go out there and beat the hell out of each other, or if they didn't like each other, but the chops are slapping. One inside of the cage. Well, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the way Hogan's next step. I've seen that on a football field, baby, and it usually means vertebrae fusion for a left. I mean, they are absolutely pedal to the metal. Pillman is crushing Flair with some of these chops, and Flair is doing his best to send it right back. I mean, you can see, like, Flair's chest is purple. He has, like, busted blood vessels all throughout his chest. Pillman is, is red. I mean, these two were really beating each other. It was, it was pretty, it was actually kind of shocking to see. Jeanette's being politically correct. Well, I think he's been doing a lot of talk with Aaron Anderson because he has an aggressive style anyway. But just now, look at that. Just patting Flair around the chops like that. He'd never do that before. But Flair makes Pillman tap out to the figure four and calls out Arn. Uh, and so now we're getting part two, baby. Like we're, we now know, you know, Flair's unhappy. Flair's unhappy. He's beat Pillman. Made him tap out. Pillman cost him the match against Arn, and we're going to get a lot more of Anderson and Flair. So Flair uses this as kind of a springboard to get right back in the Arn Anderson rivalry. So that you know we we're far from over from this one. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but we're we're far from over from Anderson and Flair. Which hey, look, if we have more Anderson and Flair, I stand. I am totally cool with that. I'm cool with watching these two fellas as much as possible. The Talking Heads are sending us out with a preview of next week. Heenan tells Bischoff something is going on in the back, and Bischoff totally blows right by us and uh, sends, it, sends it off for the week. Yes, again, thanks for joining us on the most watched wrestling program anywhere. We are live every week on TNT. Something's we'll going on in the back. Something is going on in the back. And next week, there'll be something going on here. Right here, Monday Nitro TNT. We're going to have the TNT debut. Next week, we get Disco Inferno's debut against Alex Wright. And the Taskmaster versus Savage. So Savage is going to get Savage is going to get a little bit of revenge for the beach beatdown. Thank God. Because what Sullivan did to Savage would get you arrested in most states. Disgusting. But I want to go back and talk about the Heenan thing. I wonder what the hell it was. Heenan, Heenan, I've mentioned this before, but they have a real hard time with the whole ending the show, wrapping the show up, and just kind of like moving from segment to segment just because of the time cramps. And Heenan, like, they never talk about it. So I've been thinking, I've been trying to think what it could be, what it could have been. Probably, I would guess, is probably Savage and uh, Taskmaster or something like that. Because, or maybe Anderson Flair, it could have been something of those. Because it could have been Hogan, because Hogan's not there. And I don't think the Dungeon of Doom would have attacked like Sting or something. So I'm thinking it would have been probably, probably Dungeon of Doom Savage related, or just more Anderson Flair shenanigans. But yeah, Heenan's like, oh, I'm getting worried, something's going on in the back. And, and Bischoff never even, I think Bischoff says, Yes, there is something going on in the back. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. He he acknowledges that, yes, it is happening, 
but he does not want to go and actually see what's going on. So they must have been really cramped for time. But this show, looking back on it, this show is really interesting because it is the least we get of the big players. It's the least we get of Hogan. We don't get any Sting. We get very minimal Luger. We get Savage is, has the biggest role of those guys, of the Postamaniacs. You know, we see him in the package of Sullivan, and we see him with Mean Gene with Luger. So Savage is kind of out there. But if you think about WCW at this point, there are only a few shows into this Nitro era. And this show, they say, you got to think we're probably going to have a ton of people watching because it's the day after a pay-per-view. And they don't have anything to do with, like, three of their biggest stars. And, you know, counting Luger, but even though it was very minimal. But to say, all right, we're probably going to have an enormous crowd or an enormous audience because of the fall brawl results. Let's take Hogan off TV. Let's take Sting off TV. Let's give Luger a couple-minute promo. Sullivan and the Giant are there. The rest of the Dungeon of Doom are not, which doesn't matter because they're a bunch of clowns. But it's a pretty TV champion, not there. Harlem Heat tag champs lose. So, I mean, Flair and Anderson are really the only thing that happens in this match or in this, in this show. You got Flair and uh, you know, that whole setup. Besides that, what, what, really, what really happened besides Flair and Pillman setting up Flair and Anderson? Tag champ change, yeah, but it's like you know, is that what you're booking? Is that what you're bookending the biggest show so far? Probably on. It was kind of an interesting decision. I, I think it's gutsy. I think it's a gutsy decision to try and live without Hogan this early. And so, I, I mean, I, I I think it worked. It was probably the least happening for a Nitro. And you never know if that's because of just pay per view stuff, or hey, like they just worked in the last night. You know, so the roster is not super deep at this point. So if they just worked Fall Brawl, and now we're in another place, we're in another city, and we are putting on a Nitro, 45 minutes, let's just let some other people flesh it out. Let's, let's lean on some interviews. Let's lean on some video packages and let Flair do his thing at the end, and that's it. So I, I, I can see that being a thing. But yeah, that's it. So that is Nitro. Next week, I'm pumped. Disco Inferno's debut and Taskmaster Savage kind of feels like a proper ass match. So I'm kind of pumped to see it. So we will see you next week for Monday Nitro.